the one who has the power to give won't he have the power to know we are waiting for god to make things happen but maybe god is waiting for us to perform our action our karma welcome to the podcast karma is supreme So today I'm with a famous spiritual and life coach from Toronto, Pam Sagu. So Pam Sagu, can you please introduce yourself and tell us about your journey a bit? Absolutely. So I was born in Toronto, Canada. My family is from India, and so, you know, diving right in, you can imagine growing up the confusion, right? Like there's this influence from India and then there's also the western influence. So growing up it's kind of there was always this sense of lo- missing identity right like where do i belong right am i part of this aspect part of the world or am i part of that part of the world and so you know that always kind of went with me throughout throughout my life and it really guided me onto the path that i am now so right now i am a spiritual life coach and what that essentially means is that there's a heavy degree of spirituality woven into the work that I do and the work that I do is to help people find their authentic selves right through yoga meditation and breath work so breaking free from societal expectations right so this is a huge part of where I came from right like my indian heritage demanded certain things and then my canadian heritage demanded other things so there was always this mix of like okay what is the right answer what do i do and so you know the journey to finding the answer to how to answer those questions was really really what shaped who i am now and yoga was a huge part of that because it helped me connect with myself and what i wanted and that had nothing to do with what anyone around me wanted so that's a huge part of my journey and you know i went like i did so much stuff to be able to get to this place like i you know after graduation i traveled to south america for a year i came back i worked for 6 months i'm a nanotechnology engineer by study and i left that space to move into spirituality i found my guru i lived in an ashram for a year i did multiple multiple trainings with him and you know now i'm finally in a place where i can extend these these teachings to other people and so that is what i do and a little bit of my background okay so you have been living in toronto like since your birth yes okay mm, there was like 10 years or so in between where i wasn't here but i was born here yeah so for 10 years you were traveling So for 5 years I was in university I was living away from Toronto and then I was traveling for one year and then I came back I was working for a bit then I was living in the ashram and I guess I was I don't know how many that adds up to but eventually I came back here and I'm I'm in Toronto now yeah and when we say ashram like which ashram is this So this is the Art of Living Ashram and there are actually Bangalore there's there's more than two. no i wasn't in bangalore there's one in quebec and there's one in boone so i lived in the quebec ashram for 6 months and then i lived in boone for another 4 to 5 months okay let's go so so how is your um how have your parents affected your spiritual journey i mean they must be following something before itself right mhm what yeah. were they following my, my parents are sikh 
And actually, they influenced my journey a lot because they really wanted us, like me and my brothers, to follow the same faith. But it really didn't resonate, you know, and I think that that pressure played a huge part as well like they wanted us to do it but for me it was like okay but you didn't explain anything to me like you didn't tell me why we do this and why we don't do that and yeah you know all the things and so me being very logical I kind of felt very um repelled by it right I, I didn't I didn't follow it and the reason that art of living you know coming back to the art of living and the ashram and yoga and all of that the reason that that resonated with me is because from the beginning there was always a a, a reason right we do this because of this yeah. we do this because of this and it was never like you have to do it it's like it's your choice right you do it if you don't want this outcome and if you don't mind then go ahead and you know do whatever you want so this freedom really plays a huge part. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, so um, you learned anything from the Sikh religion? I'm just inquisitive about it because I have, um, I have, uh, you know, learned a lot from that as well as from Christianity, as well as from Hinduism. So I have an influence of many religions on me. <laughs> so I was just a bit inquisitive, like what exactly, um, what a little bit influence that you had or did not have, what exactly is your environment, your culture at your home and how is it impacting you today? Um, so the main thing that I really got from it is faith, right? Having the faith that there's always a higher power watching over you and guiding you. And that is just with you, right? That's very compassionate and doesn't judge and actually this part came to me afterwards right through yoga and all of that 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 higher power does not judge right like it's not something to be afraid of like oh my goodness if I do something bad then you know I'm going to get in trouble or I'm going to go to hell or whatever it is right like God or the universe or whatever you want to call it you know whatever everyone is comfortable with it's not a judgmental entity right it is just a presence and a consciousness and I would say that now the relationship that I have with this, like my parents' faith is, is more, it's very symbiotic. Like it flows well with what I believe in because it's interesting because I, actually in the mornings we have this on the radio, they play, um, they play something where someone actually explains the Guru Granth Sahib. So he goes through and he says, okay, this line means this, and this is what they're talking about. And if you listen to it, it's actually the same. Like everything that they say lines up very well with the yoga scriptures. And so there is no conflict. Right. And the conflict is only on the surface. And you'll see that with all religions that in its purity, it's all the same. Right, right, right. So, so what is the practice that you are following for yourself right now? So right now I'm following practices given by Gurudev, Sri Sri Ravi Shankar. So that's the Kriya. There's a Sahaj Samadhi meditation um the yoga the yoga I kind of started on my own like those asanas I let it always flow intuitively so sometimes I'll give I'll do sequences given by him but mostly it's the kriya and then the parts that were built on it so I do silence courses very regularly as well those are like deep resets I do them like twice two three times a year those I need those <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. So, so how is your daily routine my daily routine um, can seem heavy, but it works. So in the morning, I wake up around, 
<laughs> I wake up around four o'clock and then, you know, I'll get ready. I'll do some yoga asanas and then I'll go into some pranayam. I'll do, I'll do my Kriya. I'll meditate. And uh, then I do Guru Buddha. And then that's when I start my day. So after I do Buddha, I'll go eat breakfast and I'll work. And then I'll have lunch around noon. I'll work some more and then I'll meditate again around five, six o'clock. And then I'll have dinner. Um, and then the rest of the evening is kind of mine. And I try my best to get to bed by, I want to say 10, <laughs> but it never <laughs> happens. <laughs> usually by like 11. Today, I'm going to make you late. <laughs> Go late. <yeah. laughs> anyway, so, so uh, tell me something about your work. What, what exactly are you doing right now? Um, apart from your own daily practices, what are you offering mm -hmm. to your students? So I, I actually started with just yoga classes, but in my perception and in my experience, actually not just my perception is that the wisdom aspect of it and the kriyas, the meditation, the breath work, all of that is so much more powerful than just the postures. So I moved into the online course space. I created a signature course that takes people essentially from where I was, right? I used to, at some point feel so lost and stuck because I had so many outside influences that I couldn't hear my own voice. Mm -hmm. And so I take people from there to, and I equip them with everything that they need to move toward a life that they actually want, right? Not some, not something, not what society tells you, not what your parents tell you, not what your friends tell you, like it's what you want, right? Mm -hmm. So I help people make that transition and I equip them with, the tools that they need to continue on that path and the main part of that is working with the mind right in the west right. they call it mindset but it's not just mindset it's like everything that your mind like all your impressions everything that influences your perception and all of that so I work directly with the mind through courses I started offering one-on-one -on -one coaching mm -hmm. um one-off workshops I'm also work going into corporate kind of workshops so lots of different things happening Mm -hmm. I, I read something about authentic spirituality that you had mentioned before so tell me something about it sure yeah so in the west and I'm not too sure how it is in India um, but in the west there's you know spirituality is a buzzword right it's like this like but when you think about spirituality they think about people who are crazy right they're like woo, like this kind oh. of like <laughs> ungrounded and they what they think that we are doing world. some black magic or something it's really silly honestly people like <laughs> it's very ungrounded so it's like um oh, goodness what, what do I even say like people think enlightenment for example is like you just you just don't exist anymore like you're just like kind of floating off in the air and you're just kind of like, omni I mean, you are omnipresent and omnipotent to yeah. some degree, but like, but, people but don't to, understand but what to that reach means, that, right? No, but to reach that level of realization where we know, where we realize that we are omnipresent, that that is a practice of many years, maybe many births also, you know? Yeah. It's, it's a lot of sadhana. It's not like, I I'm I I keep repeating I'm omnipresent and I become omnipresent. It doesn't work that way, you know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
exactly <laughs> so and you know what i don't even blame people for these perceptions the issue is that people who have had the experience are trying to give it to people who are nowhere close and so you sound like a fool right like you're saying things and people are like what like what right like if i say something like okay you know um vastu says that you should sit in this direction and do this right like someone who has no experience with that is going to be like okay you're crazy like it doesn't matter right but it ha- it all has to do with the energetics of consciousness right like how it works and people who are unfamiliar don't know that and so in the west like some people have had the experience or maybe they've had it through drugs right like you know if you do in like psychedelics you'll have some sort of experience and then you'll come back and you'll have no idea and this mm-hmm. makes you seem like mm-hmm. makes you seem like a schizophrenic right like you don't know yeah and and so this is the issue with western spirituality is that there's a lot of ungroundedness and there's it exactly it's not grounded right like it seems like woo, like it's up in the air it's like you know these people are crazy they don't know what they're talking about and so this whole concept of spirituality is given a really bad name mm-hmm. by people who try to you know i'm sure it's whole, like with all their hearts and the purest intentions try to share it but the world just isn't ready and that's not how you give it anyways mm-hmm. yeah there are all kinds of people out there i mean there are very genuine people also and there are very there are people who just want to take advantage of the situation yeah mm-hmm. so, so what do you mm-hmm. think about um like you just mentioned about the drugs right and mm-hmm. you know consuming drugs for experiencing something having some spiritual experience can you elaborate on that what do you think about it i think that it's normal because in my personal experience this comes from a place of wanting to be free right like feeling so trapped by everything around you and not knowing that there's something else right like mm-hmm. in the journey of an of a sincere seeker you come to a place where you're just like okay what is this world right like everything is misery right mm-hmm. like if you've read the yoga vasishta you know at the beginning mm-hmm. like rama is talking and he says all of these like this whole chapter he goes on about how everything is misery even babies are like he's like they're not even cute they're just little miserable things <laughs> <laughs> and so and so you know as a sincere seeker you come to this point when you're like everything sucks right like everything is work everything is misery there's no joy anywhere like what do i do and so i believe that for them for someone who's in that place myself included when i was there drugs are a gateway to something that is unknown right like not stuff like and i'm not talking about like cocaine and heroin i'm talking more like psychedelics right like you'll get some sort of experience with weed with mushrooms with things like ayahuasca right so those kinds of drugs really draw people especially ayahuasca because it has this history of being a healing plant medicine right this is more predominantly in south america i haven't really seen it anywhere else and so i really feel empathy to people who are there and like i was there myself i actually went to south america and i tried ayahuasca and i had these yeah. experiences but my intention was never to like to oh my god i want an experience and i want to tell the world and you know like it was never something surface level for me i wanted freedom and i think that I think that that is a sincere desire for people who go in that direction is they want freedom and they don't know where to find it like authentic spirituality is not very prominent on the market and so you know people go 
to the question mark. And currently the question mark is psychedelic drugs. Something mm -hmm. happens to your mind. Okay, I want to know what happens. So, so what did you experience with those, with those drugs that you tried? So it is a very expanded state of mind, right? You see things in inside you. So ayahuasca purges, right? The initial part of it is purging. So you really like, you'll go, you'll throw up, you'll go to sit on the toilet for a while. And like, it takes you to a different state of mind, state of consciousness. And after that part is over, then you kind of go and you rest, you lie down in your mind, you see things, right? And they're like unfulfilled desires. They're things that are holding you back. And so by fulfilling these desires, you become free of them, right? Like, for example, one of the things that I saw was um, there was this room with a huge Christmas tree. And again, this is the, the clash of West and East, right? Like I, as a child, grew up watching people on Christmas, like watching TV where kids during Christmas had this huge tree that they all decorated together. And I never got to do it because my family was Indian, right? So that desire was with me from childhood. And so when I went to South America after I graduated, that was one of the things I saw in my, I don't know, hallucination, I guess you could say, is a huge tree with my entire family. We were all decorating it together and it was like a great time, right? And so it's these types of things. And ayahuasca actually is, I would say it is a spiritual, uh, a very spiritual experience. And people who do it regularly, like the natives, they know how to properly do it, right? Like that is their spiritual path. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But don't you think so that, um, you know, walking on a spiritual path specifically, um, I mean, for freedom, it's okay. Maybe temporarily, you know, we are giving relief to our mind. but then that's what it is. I, I believe that that's what it is temporary. You know, if we want to progress on our spiritual path, which is mostly about expanding the consciousness and consciousness is the aspect of the soul, then the soul at a point in our spiritual journey, when, um, you know, when we reach the third eye or beyond it, the soul has to experience the separation from the mind. It has to untie the knot from the mind because the mind and the soul are knotted together here at the third eye so once a person reaches the third eye they have to be unknotted you know so so to reach that point where from where the inner journey of the soul begins from the third eye we have to reach that point you know but if we keep on um like i personally believe that if we keep on um if we become addict to certain drugs you know then we'll always find, we'll always want to find more shortcuts, but at the same time, it's only giving certain relief to the mind. It's not helping me expand my consciousness. It, it's a temporary relief to the mind where I might be experiencing certain things around me because everything is energy and might be catching a few things, but at the same time, it's not a progress in my consciousness. Like I personally believe that. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree 100%. I think that it is very surface level. It is very temporary. And if you want serious spiritual growth, you need to put in the work, right? You need to do the practice. You need to do the sadhana. You need to do it regularly and for a long period of time. At some point, like I used to smoke weed as well, <laughs> full disclosure. Um, at some point, I realized that if this, at some point, I, real, I noticed that not only is there you know, there is that aspect of a little bit of freedom tied with 
that, like smoking this, this drug, but there's also anxiety. There's also like, okay, I feel like I need to hide this. There's also guilt. Like there's all these emotions tied together with it. Right. And at some point I had some experience of just being in a place where I was very open and, and very calm and, and very expansive. And I thought if I can reach here without this, then I'll be free. Right. And, and that was like the last time I ever smoked. I was like, I don't need this. And I'm going to work to get here on my own. And it's true. Like if you become addicted, if you become dependent on anything material, you're still bound. Right. And the goal yeah. of spirituality is to be unbound, is to be free. Yes. And so, yeah, drugs can only work for a short period of time. And maybe if you're lucky, you get that you get to that place where you're like, OK, I can do this without drugs and they should empower you. Right. They shouldn't tie you down. Hmm. So the only thing that I feel is that drug is impacting our minds. It's it's not impacting our soul, right? And the consciousness is all about the realization of the soul and the supreme soul. So we have to work on that part. So maybe our mind is able to give us a fraction of that, really even even a fraction of a fraction of that experience. But once we have, you know, we are working on expanding our consciousness, then like you said, it should come naturally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so um, how did you find um, the art of living center? I mean, you must have explored other parts also. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, so back then I was really searching, like actually my entire trip to South America was, was a search, right? It was part of my search when I was looking for an authentic path, something that would take me beyond. And I'm not going to lie, ayahuasca did draw me there. And I wanted to speak with real shamans, right? Like people who are said to know the truth and know things. And that was part of the reason why I went there. And then I kind of wandered for a while. I went to ruins. I remember reading books where this guy decoded these ruins and he just found all these secrets. And I went as well. And I was like, I don't see anything here. <laughs> <laughs> but um I read books about like the Tibetan ways um I read about Buddhism I read Taoism I read um I started to read the Bible it was really really heavy and I really I let that go um I tried so many things and eventually I uh, met someone I worked with it's funny I met someone I worked with who recommended a yoga teacher uh, on campus on the university campus and that guy, I practiced with him a couple of times. He became my friend. He recommended um, The Art of Living to me. And actually, it's funny because he didn't do it in the beginning. He did it after a while when I started, when I tried to meditate on my own, I got this book from the library and I just sat and tried to do it. And I told him, I'm like, I can't breathe. Like I'm meditating and I go into some place and I can't breathe. Like, what do I do? And that's when he said, oh, you should try that. You should go learn the seduction Kriya and um, go from there and eventually I did it and then it just kind of snowballed like I don't know if you're familiar with the art of living but they have a um, ton of whatsapp yeah, yeah. <laughs> they have a ton of whatsapp groups and so one of them they mentioned that they needed a volunteer at the Quebec ashram and you know this was before I had met Gurudev this is before I even knew who he was I just you know I had traveled and I had volunteered before and so I went and you know one thing led to another eventually I met him and wordlessly he became my guru and my life has been magical since <laughs> seems like it was timely like you were researching and then suddenly they have this volunteer position there mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah when the student is ready the master appears right yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. So I did explore art of living as well. Um, I I did Sudarshan Kriya and stuff just to experience because uh, a few of my friends were into that and like your friend called you and then my friend also you know called me like okay fine you should just just uh, you know experience this I'm like yeah sure why not so I gave it a try uh, but but I guess that it's mostly like what our soul is really looking for you know sometimes um, at a certain point in our on our spiritual journey and on our lives we need solutions to certain things we need peace we need um answers and we get it at us you know from a certain teacher or a certain platform and then we have more questions then we have more you know we want more we want to explore more and then we probably need to search for more <laughs> so i um i i basically searched for my spiritual teacher for like 10 years I, I visited everybody, you just name anyone. Yeah, I was pretty young when I, you know, started searching for a spiritual teacher for my journey. And my father helped me a lot in going to different spiritual teachers and also practicing and stuff. So I, I even met Baba Ramdev personally for like, I guess, two, three times. And then I uh, I met um, Sri Sri Ravi Shankar. He, he has this home in Delhi. We went there. And because many of my friends were already visiting, so they're like, okay, come along. He, he's visiting, he's, you know, there. So I'm like, okay, fine. So I went there and had a chance to meet him. Then uh, I visited many other teachers, but maybe my soul was searching for something very deep. It was like, I was having a lot of inner experiences, you know, like there comes a point in one soul, um, in, in one's uh, journey where the soul starts going inwards, where it starts experiencing different dimensions of life. And when it starts experiencing different dimensions of life, then the thing is that uh, the soul must not go alone in those dimensions because we have not seen those dimensions, you know, like how we need help of a guide outside. So my soul had started traveling inside but I got scared I did not know experiencing different things different dimensions of life I suddenly I got a bit confused between reality and you know what I was experiencing sometimes I used to even I used to go dream within a dream I went five level down down within a dream once you know it was it was so deep that I was sleeping I woke up and I'm like thank god I'm awake and then I again woke up I'm like okay that was dream within a dream. And then I again woke up. I was, you know, <laughs> I was in a shock. And then when it happened the fifth time, when I finally woke up, I was like, this was really bad. Because after that fifth time, I was only trying to find out if I'm still within the dream. In all those dreams, I was sleeping. In all those dreams, I was just waking up. So it made me question my reality wh where I was, you know. So, so. I spent a lot of time in searching for a um, spiritual teacher who could help me in the inner dimensions. Anyway, we all uh, have our own soul path. And um, so uh, tell me something about what, what do you think about um, intuition? Like you mentioned mind, right? So 
how much do you like follow your intuition? How are you able to differentiate between the voice that is coming from the mind and the voice of the soul? This is a really good question because it's not always easy. So it, it helps to have a daily practice. It really does. And the more sadhana that you do, the easier it becomes, right? The more, the quieter the mind becomes. And then that voice shines forth more, right? The intuition is generally, it's very, very quiet. You really have to listen, right? If something in your head is screaming at you, that is not your intuition. Yeah. <laughs> that is your mind, right? And yeah. So, yeah, I I try to follow my intuition as much as I possibly can. And, and you know, I, I, I intu- it's funny, I intuitively know when I'm not following it. Like, I know when I'm not following it. I know when I should be doing something else. Like, it's become a little bit of second nature now, but that's after years and years of practice, right? Mm-hmm. So you were, um, you mentioned somewhere about the seven layers of self. Would you mm. like to throw some light on that? Yeah, sure. So this is actually very, very interesting. I'm actually working on a talk uh, about this right now. Um, the seven layers of the self is something that we learn in the, you must have learned it in the, the Sudarshan Kriya course, the first, the level one course. So they teach No, actually, I just practiced it. I, I did not, um, I just practiced it for the breathing. I wanted to experience the breathing part that they are offering. And it is really good. The breathing thing is, the breathing activity is really good. Um, but, but I did not get into the theory uh, because I'm more towards the experience thing. Unless and until I experience something, Everything else is just books to me. That's it. You you read anything. I mean, I don't personally read a lot of books, honestly. Um, but whatever knowledge or wisdom I have, it's only from my experience and not from the books. I've never trusted mm-hmm. the books completely. That's interesting. Yeah. I uh, Yeah. I actually, I think that there's different levels of this actually to going on a side tangent. There's different levels of that, right? Like trusting like, um, this is actually I mean, one of the modules. No, no actually, I, I should I should say this first that I did not trust the holy books before when I was young. Because mm. at that time there was no experience. I should have put it this way. That time there was no experience. But later on, uh, when I started experiencing things, then I realized how everything in all these holy books was connected and how mm-hmm. and what exactly they were really saying you know then i realized the parables in which jesus was teaching us um mm-hmm. and i realized all the inner secrets of the spiritual journey that guru nanak was teaching us it's also uh, explained in a very subtle manner so that only the true seekers actually understand what they're trying to say otherwise everybody uh, if it goes out to everybody it will just create a mess out there so so mm-hmm. i i do uh, have complete faith in the holy books now but before mm-hmm. having an experience i did not have any faith i should have said that mm-hmm. yeah yeah i i agree yeah I mean, i've had the same experience in my life at first i was like mm-hmm, yeah sure but now i'm like oh yeah tell me more <laughs> um so i forgot what the question was but <laughs> could you repeat <laughs> but that was a very interesting tangent (laughs) you were talking about the seven layers of self Mm, yeah so this I think it's it's interesting because when you read um in the scriptures the scriptures will tell you like these are just things that are put there to help the seeker understand 
understand the world, right? Understand the inner world and the outer world. And in reality, there's just consciousness, right? But that exists when you get to that level. But otherwise, it's very interesting because the seven layers of the self were enumerated, like they're differentiated so that the seeker can identify what is the self and what isn't the self, right? Like if you can perceive it, it is separate from you, correct? So the grossest layer is the body, right? You can see, you can feel, you can touch the body, you can do all the things. Obviously it's separate from you, right? You're not your body, you're more than your body. Then is your breath, then comes your mind, then your intellect, your memory, your ego, and then is the self. And it's interesting because this is where, like this, all of these these six layers outside of the self, this is what forms our entire complex, right? Our entire life. Like this is where your experiences translate into feelings, into thoughts, into your intellect is, you know, saying, okay, this is bad for me, but then your ego is hurt and you store it in your ego and it shows up as behavior and it's this cycle, right? It's this vicious cycle. And this shows you exactly how you become limited by by behaviors by patterns by society outside you it shows you how society influences you how your inner world influences then your perception and it's just it's the cycle it's very very fascinating if you dive into it it's it it's very interesting mm-hmm. and that's really interesting to know actually uh, so mm-hmm. as you speak i um my mind was sort of categorizing everything so i was like thinking that maybe um what i understood by what you said right now maybe there are three layers self mind and body and then the intellect memory and ego that's what you mentioned right intellect memory and ego are sort of a sort of an aspect of the mind right they are an aspect of the mind not sort of because they are an aspect of the mind then we come to the breath the breath is an aspect of the body and the mind both so if, if we if we like subdivided subdivided there are seven layers of self as you mentioned but maybe if we categorize it then there could be a body mind and soul or the self that you mentioned so, so then the mind can be subdivided into three layers again and the body into one breath you definitely can this is how in the west they definitely package it right your body mind and soul and so you know inside the mind you know can... even even in uh, gita also that's how they have explained it hmm. mind body yeah, it's, in- it's interesting that they do separate it um it's only certain texts that will right it's i would say it's more to understand that function right like how that cycle actually creates itself and how to undo it as well but yeah definitely those are all inner faculties those four the mind the intellect the ego and the memory they're all in inner faculties and you can definitely group them together mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so um so i love to know more about your journey i mean like are you so where are you now you mentioned you tried all these different things i i know we're still supposed to be recording me but let's talk about you <laughs> okay what exactly about me like where where like where are where are you now like what are you i know you mentioned you tried lots of different things and you had all these experiences so where did that lead you like where are you now so when when i was uh, 3 years old my mom tells me that i was sitting in meditation since then and i did not know the word meditation at that time i was just doing it you know i i just didn't know what it was i used to 
I used to just sit and I, in that meditation position. I used to be you know, sitting there for like an hour or two. Then my mom used to put me back to the sleep. And she's like, what are you doing early morning? Yes, every day it used to happen like that. So I believe there's no other reason to it except that it was probably being, uh, it was probably a carry forward from my past life. There's no other reason to it, right? I mean, not having any exposure because at that time we did not have social media also as it is now so tv was only doordarshan so i guess there was no exposure at that time so this was a, a from carry forward from my past life and then um, i was an empath also I, I was a physical empath also and i did not know all these words but i was experiencing everything and i uh, you know when i was um, 14 13 14 years old i started having a um, out of body experiences and they were very profound um and, and uh, I, I started asking questions from my parents. Uh, I started questioning my teachers in school and, and anybody whom I met who was, you know, an elder to me, I started asking them questions. I thought that maybe because they're older, so they should be knowing the answers to that. And uh, my child mind used to think that everybody in the world has all these, uh, you know, things that I was going through, maybe they have all experienced it. They have all gone through it. So I should get answers. I was thinking that way, but I failed to get any answers from anywhere. So I started visiting different satsangs. I, I started, um, you know, telling my father, asking him, please take me somewhere. And then he used to take me to different satsangs and help me meet a lot of spiritual teachers. So uh, I, it took around 10 years before I really met my spiritual teacher and uh, the thing is that he just he did not answer me by way of words mm. he answered me with experience the first time that I met him he gave me my answers in the form of a vision as if he already knew my questions mm. I mean he already knew my questions and I just I was just there in front of him. I did not ask him anything. And he just gave me a vision that was an answer to all of my questions. And I was like, oh my God, this was what I was looking for. I wanted experience, right? And from there, my journey started when I started getting the answers through experience. Mm -hmm. I had his vision and uh, it was very clear. I mean, there was no doubt in it. I did not have to ask anyone whether this happened or not it was pretty clear and then there was series of experiences that started clearing my doubts I think it's really interesting with the masters right like when the seeker goes seeking it's only like the seeker ends up where he's supposed he or she is supposed to end up right and it's interesting because there's a story that I heard at some point that you know I had a lot I had a lot of doubts about all of this stuff in the beginning even after I did my first Kriya right I was like like my course even though I practiced it every single day like when I before I met Guruji before I did a silence course I was like okay like I'm not sure right like you're trusting someone with the deepest level of who you are you have to yes. be sure right yeah and I remember like, you know, Googling so many things, looking at reviews and look, hearing other people's experiences and all of that stuff. And, and then um, it was meeting him. It was meeting him that made all of the difference because I remember the day that 
you know, it was Guru Purnima and Guruji was coming to the ashram and I was helping to set up, like I was just doing seva somewhere on the ashram. And I remember when he arrived, there was a shift in energy and something happened inside me. And I just stopped. I was like, oh my goodness, like he's here. Like, I don't know who he is and I've never experienced his energy before, but I know that he's here. Mm-hmm. And then they have a large meditation hall. And so there were like thousands of people there. And I'm, you know, I'm sitting in this crowd. Someone tells me, Parm, come, let's sit close to the door. And so, you know, I go and I sit close to the door and there's so many people. And I don't know if you've ever been, you have, you mentioned you've been, uh, you've meant to meet him. And like, there's so many people like pushing and, you know, they want to get close to him. They want to like touch him and see him and talk to him and all those things. Right. And so I'm just sitting there quietly, like not moving, just like looking at the door, like not sure what to expect. Right. Like this serenity also is um, you mentioned something, right? A gift from a past life, right? Like not everyone has it. People go to these masters and they can't handle it, right? Their minds go wild because they it just it's just it's too much energy, right? Like things mm-hmm. start to come out and, and they're unable to handle it. So for me, it was stillness, right? I was just like looking at the door, not sure what to expect. And all of a sudden, like, you know, he probably came close to the door on the other side. And like before he even came in, out inside. I just felt like my heart like burst open and I finally felt like I was home. I was like, oh my goodness, I searched the entire world. I did so much stuff, like so much stuff. I looked for this feeling of being home and I finally found it. It is here. Like this is the home that I was looking for. And I finally felt like, you know, I can put down my bags. I can stop searching. Like, this is the home that I was looking for. And this was before I even met the man, right? Like, this is before I had even seen him. And then he came inside and like, you know, to be honest, like, he's just a person, right? Like, his physical body is nothing impressive. Like he's, you know, anyone can dress in this way and and walk around. Right. But it's his energy that, that calls you, right. That calls you at a deeper level. And that is, that's what spirituality is about, right? Like people will always have doubts. There will always be like the voice that says, Oh, but what about this? And Oh, what about that? But you can argue that that's part of the path, right? Like today we say, like we talked about this near the beginning as well that, Oh, you know, spirituality is so watered down because people don't know what they're talking about and there's so much stuff in the media and you just don't know what people just think oh you know say I am strong I am confident that's spirituality like no it's not right like there's so much much more than just affirmations to spirituality right and and these influences are part of the path right there's a story this very beautiful story that I heard close to the beginning like when I had first kind of found this path and 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 the story is that you know so the guru sits at the top of a mountain and you know people come to see him all the time they come and then there's someone sitting at the bottom of a mountain and this person at the bottom of the mountain says don't go up right like this person is a fraud like he's wasting your time you know you wasted your time coming here but you know save yourself the journey of going up and just go home now and most people go home, right? Most people say, okay, yeah, forget it. Let's go home. And there was one person who went up. And he's like, no, no, you know, this can't be true. So one guy, he goes up to the top and he meets, he finds the guru and he says, you know, Guruji, there's someone sitting at the bottom of the mountain telling everyone to go home. And the guru starts laughing. He says, yes, I know. I sent him there. I put him there to tell people to go home. And the people who can surpass this obstacle, they're the ones who are ready right? Like not everyone is ready, 
right? And, and and that's the thing. And, and that's, I don't know if you've heard of the Guru Mandala, but they're like the closer that you get to the center, the more and more obstacles that you face, right? More things come up from your past. I remember at some point in my journey, while I was still at the Canadian Ashram, so this is the very beginning of my journey, there was a part of me that is attached to being Sikh, right? To having been born in this faith. Like I'm sure I was Sikh in a past lifetime, right? Like that's why it was still with me. But there was this like a resistance maybe or like kind of like, you know, when you're letting go of something, it's very painful, right? Like you, yeah. you feel like this has been your home for so long and now you have to let it go. And so there was a lot of pain associated with letting that go and accepting a new guru. And I remember I kept getting messages at that time saying that, you know, your previous gurus lead you to your next gurus, right? Like you only get onto a bus to take you to a certain place, right? Yeah. And then you get off and you get on a different one or you, you know, you walk or whatever it may be, right? You do the next leg of the journey. Yeah. So that was a really difficult transition for me, but I stopped wearing my kara, like, you know, I don't wear it anymore. And even taking that off like I could feel like what it meant right symbolically and, and energetically when I took it off it's like a huge weight had lifted off of my shoulders like I had finally let go of this part and I could move on right it's just like we talked about the drugs right like these things hold you there but everything holds you right it's yeah. even said in the wisdom in the scriptures that if you like the wisdom is there to scrub you clean right it's like the soap the soap washes off the dirt but you have to wash off the soap as well right like if you're holding on to the soap then you become dirty with the soap right <laughs> <laughs> and it's also in the yoga vasishta as well he says this is only here for your instruction mm -hmm. right in the seven layers it's only here for instruction it's not actually real right none of it is real it's all just consciousness Mm -hmm. after at the end of but once you once your intellect gets to a point where it can accept that then you can let it go but until then you should hold on to it and you should study it and you should observe what's actually happening in your inner system that's very 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 interesting and this entire journey for me happened very quickly and I would say it's merits right merits of the past like you mentioned and just mm -hmm. like that with meditation right like my journey with meditation wasn't that my mind didn't shut up. It was that it got too quiet and I couldn't handle it. I was like, oh my God, like I can't breathe. And, and so my journey with Art of Living and on the spiritual path has been like this, like it's been super fast. It was like, when did I, I graduated 2016. I traveled for a year. I worked. So I really started, like I committed myself to yoga. I'd say 2019, August that's I, ever since that day I have been practicing every single day I have not missed a single day in my yoga practice and that you know I've been building it right my asanas and I added the kriya the meditation and guru puja and all these things and it's I mean I've met people who've been on this path with guruji for like 20 30 40 years and and people look at me and they're like you're only like you know like you've only been here for three years and you've been like but that doesn't matter if you're like for three years maybe like who knows? I mean, you know, it's, it all depends upon the soul. It depends upon the layers that are there on the soul. Maybe somebody has really few layers and maybe in just three years, they're able to achieve something that others have not achieved in 30, 40 years. Mm -hmm. it's, it's all about the layers of karmas on us, right? Yeah. When I, when I was sitting that day, when I first saw him coming into the meditation hall, 
the feeling that I felt, I felt not only that I had been searching for this lifetime, but that I had been searching for lifetimes and lifetimes and lifetimes. And then I was finally graced with this presence that is going to take me beyond. And, you know, every time I talk about it, even now I get really emotional because I feel like that I can feel moment. it already. Yeah, right. Like that's the moment so, when so I one thing, finally like I can rest, you know, I can rest. I can see that already. So you we were talking about this story where this person was um sending people home you know mm-hmm. so, so i feel like this is more this is more like you know nowadays when people go through um they listen to different gurus on the internet so they check out the reviews and everything you know i, I always say that it's not about the reviews and what others are saying and stuff it's about the experience you know mm-hmm. if, if your soul is able to experience something with that person and and you are able to delete uh the the fame the power from that whole scene of that guru you know because sometimes our mind the nature of the mind is such that we do get affected by the um you know by what we see online by the fame of a certain person by the power that they show us um this is not for anybody specifically but this is a general thing okay so our our mind is such that it does get affected by that so if we are able to delete all of that and just see the guru as a guru okay what is he here to teach me okay or is my soul satisfied with the answers to the questions that i have within you know then we can say okay fine i can start here at least okay so but anything that is built on the hearsay you know because other people are saying that this path is good so i'll just start following it because i see oh my god so many followers this person has so this person must be right right so i start following that so it will build my faith but then when my uh, worst times of life will come at that time that that belief will break because there is no foundation to that belief yeah and and the foundation comes with the experience the personal divine experiences and with that experience that belief turns into faith and that will never break even no matter whatever time comes in a person's life that will never break because you experience something divine you know that this is actually a guru with a really higher consciousness you know one thing that i'm really um blessed with on my spiritual journey is um i've reached a point in consciousness where i am able to know the level of consciousness of others so so there comes a point there where you know when you are able to see the level of consciousness very clearly so it makes it very easy for me to understand okay what this person is saying what he is actually you know the right now on a spiritual journey i mean there is no um, there is no comparison in this there is nothing to shame about in this but everybody is on their spiritual journey right everybody is at a certain level of consciousness everybody is trying to reach that realization where we do experience and realize that i am omnipresent <laughs> i am omnipotent right so reaching that stages like it takes many years 
But once we do reach that state, it does become very easy. So tell me something, um, your, your journey in art of living, right? So you have studied it in very detail, right? You have done courses also. So what, according to you, or what do you think is the goal of art of living? So Guruji has come here with one goal, right? Like his mission, he said, is to put a smile on everyone's face, which is, it's so simple and it's so beautiful and so powerful because if you think about the mechanics of that, like how do you get someone to smile? You have to get rid of all the stuff inside them that's preventing them from smiling, right? And so Guruji has brought all of these practices into the world, the Kriya, the the. Um, the Sahaj Samadhi, the courses, and then all of his courses, right? Like his the happiness program, mm-hmm, the happiness program. Mm-hmm. And then the silence program is a huge one as well, right? Like Guruji's goal is to bring people freedom and to bring them happiness, freedom from their own mind, right? Not even, and I wouldn't even say liberation from this world. It's more because, you know, you know, once you progress, it's not that, right? It's just freedom from being averse to this to this world right because you're never like you're here but you're also not anyways you're kind of like I think I'm not making sense right now (laughs) let's not get into that right now (laughs) yeah Yeah. Yeah. like I think I'm not making sense it's so intricate and you know we go from one topic to another and it's just it's so everything is so connected (laughs) and then you feel like okay let's not talk about it it will lead to another discussion (laughs) it's too deep (laughs) right right Mm-hmm. Guru is here to to make everyone happy, right? Like he is an enlightened master, and he is here bringing that ultimate that ultimate truth to the world. Like that is the only way, in my opinion, to have expanded an organization such as that, a volunteer based organization, into over the entire world is pure devotion, right? Like I personally would do anything for my guru. Like he has saved me from this entire world. Like. I know it. I knew it the moment I was sitting in that meditation hall. And I know even now, if he told me to just parm, like, you know, if he said anything to me, I would do it, right? Like, this is the freedom that he's given me is that there's no attachment to anything. There's no attachment to this body, to this life, to this world, to this family, to this home. There's nothing. Like, if he told me to go live in the Himalayas, I would do it. I'd be like, okay, sure. (laughs) Like, can I have running water at least? (laughs) But. See, see, that is how the mind is working. It's sending you more thoughts within. I, I want the food and the water in the Himalayas, first of all. Comfort, please. But, but yeah, this is his goal, right? Like, he, there's nothing for himself in this. Like, there's this, um, like they've said, right? Like, Guruji was going to leave his body when he was around 30 because he said, you know, I've done my work. I've done what I've come here to do which is to give the Sudarshan Kriya the happiness course to the world and that's what he did and he was like well let me you know I'm done and you know the world was like no 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 <laughs> like don't go right and he brought so many more things right? he, he, so much he more. did that when he was 30 I don't know how old exactly he was but the art of living had their 40 year anniversary recently so I'm guessing a little yeah I guess I guess he was 30 at the time he's like 60 something now Mm-hmm. Yeah, even if he like created it that young, I mean, whatever age he created it, but at the same time, what was important was to also uh, make it reach to the entire world, right? I mean, creating it is one thing, but then 
making it reach the entire world is also one thing right Mm-hmm. there's something really interesting now that you say that um something they say in the yoga vasishta actually i used to contemplate on this because i used to want to do that i used to want to go live somewhere very remote and not be bothered by the world and just kind of you know have my simple life and whatever and there's something in the yoga vasishta because i used to ask myself like what is the right thing like what am i actually supposed to do and what do i want to do and and in the yoga vasishta they say you know once you reach that state it actually doesn't matter what you do you can do something that's considered yes. traditionally right or wrong or you can act in the world or you can choose not to act in the world when yeah. you're at that state it doesn't make a difference yes exactly so, yeah like like guru ravidas was there and he was a cobbler so he was yeah. earning through uh, the shoe work right and then we had uh, many gurus in our past highly conscious we like there's so much conscious that we we know them even today you know thousands of years have passed away since uh, they were in the physical bodies but um th- they were doing very uh, simple work for their earning you know so somebody was weaving another one was doing the shoe work so, so there were different kinds of things but it doesn't really matter whatever work we do for our income as sometimes you know even in the spiritual space i have been hearing this a lot nowadays that you know not everybody is of course there's competition in every space and the kind of um, um you know there's a rise of a lot of spiritual coaches even nowadays and because many people are becoming conscious and and everybody wants to explore this field everybody wants to do this work full time right but at the same time it takes a while to reach somewhere you know so so one needs to have a sort of a balance wherein one can have an income source also and also a sort of keep going with this space as well until one reaches there but we have had gurus whose um income source was something else all throughout their life i mean they they have given lessons on spirituality and consciousness all their life and they have become a legacy today but their income source was something else so it depends upon person to person it depends upon each individual soul we don't know because each individual soul has a unique path you know and we don't know what that path is so everybody has to discover that path for themselves it's interesting i feel like this message if you are doing it authentically then it takes more time because you need to one be grounded in what you're teaching and you need yes. to not guide people down the wrong path because that brings you so much negative karma right and, and that's definitely yes. not what you want to do yes and so there's a lot of like fake gurus out there but yes i feel that the sincere seekers will find the true gurus will find the ones that speak to their soul and all of that and yeah it takes time but i think it, it's definitely yeah and and there's one more thing like if we are doing only the spiritual work you know or whatever work we do we usually get attached to that work so if we get attached to our spiritual work what will eventually happen is that at the back of our mind we have to generate income because we have to cover the cost right the yearly cost or the monthly cost of certain softwares or something it has to be covered right so um uh, we we'll start getting attached to it and the more we are attached to it something wrong happens then everything falls down but that is not the goal of our spiritual work right the whole point is that we being detached from it and still doing it freely right so mm-hmm. somewhere uh, that is also important that if we 
you know, we can, if, if we are at a certain point where the spiritual work is not generating enough income, then maybe we can just um, create another source of income that could be any job or anything for that matter and be detached from our work and just go with the flow, keep working on it. And whenever that time comes, when it starts generating income, actually, then just leave it to that time. And until that time, just keep working on something else. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> so coming to the end of the podcast, Palm, do you have uh, any last words for the audience? I would like to say that, you know, if you are a spiritual seeker and if you are seeking, then your guru will come to you at the right time, right? I know there's a lot of emotions that are tied in with this. There's a lot of feverishness. There's a lot of despair, especially in that stage of feeling like there's nothing else in the world, feeling like there's nothing more. But I'd like to say that, you know, when the time is right, the guru will appear, right? When the student is ready, the master will appear and you will have the discernment. You will have the vision. You will have the awareness and the knowledge to recognize that. So be patient, keep doing what you're doing. You are on the right path. Amazing. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you, Pam. Thank you for coming to Karma Supreme. And I hope to see you again very soon. Absolutely. This has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me.